Hi, you're listening to Mystically Inclined with Fiona and Mo. A podcast featuring conversations that explore what it means to live in alignment. From the practical to the mystical, we're here to challenge our beliefs, learn from each other, and grow together. And have fun. And have fun. (laughs) Okay, on today's episode, we have Rachel Lieberman. She is a podcaster, a blogger, and now a published author. And she's someone who we've actually followed for quite a while. Fiona was restraining herself not to really like go full fangirl. I know. I don't want to embarrass myself, but But you were, I was nervous. I was so excited. Um, yeah, she's a one, three sacral, sacral generator. So definitely someone I've always like kind of watched as how her life and her business has unfolded and what she's shared on her blog and on social media as to like how she's kind of created this life in alignment with her, like human design energy type and things like that. So it's been very inspiring to see that as a generator myself. So it's very fun. And we love just going like full geek out mode on human design. Yeah. So we hope, but it's not just human design. It's a, it's a a nice deep conversation about all sorts of things. So I think it'll be a fun listen. True. We hope you (laughs) enjoy Rachel Lieberman. I don't want to miss Fiona gushing about being excited. Oh, fangirling? I know, <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. I'm very excited about your book. Obviously, we're going to talk about that today. All right, cool. All right, so we can just kind of like jump in. So I think we should start with just kind of explaining a little bit about how you got into human design and, um, you know, your Instagram is pure generator. So I'm also interested in like, do you typically only work with generators? Like, how did that focus come about? Yeah. So I found human design at a time when I had a lot of questions about what to do with my time and energy. I had just left a career that I thought that I would be in for a long time. I just had burnt out basically and felt like I had to take a little bit of a break, but I honestly didn't know what I was going to do. And like a few weeks later, I found human design and it just kind of answered all of those questions. And during that couple of month break, I was going to take, I was like, well, why don't I just give myself a chance to live out my generator life and just do some things that are really interesting to me. And I had kind of figured that out even before I found human design. Like I kind of knew that about myself. I was like, I need to do something that I actually enjoy. So then I found human design and I was like, oh, this answers everything. And I think I could share some things about this, even though I've just found it because it just explained a lot of experiences I'd already had in the past, like 10 years of my life. So I guess that's why I got focused on gener. Initially it was only generators. It wasn't even manifesting generators. Cause I was like, I can only share from my own perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I quickly realized that I could also share about just sort of all sacral beings. And yeah, I guess that my book is the first time I've ever like publicly shared about other types because it's about all human design types. But I guess the focus is just because I feel confident sharing what I know and doing the deeper work with that. But it was so fun in the book to be able to talk about all the types because I've had years of now observing and learning from all the different types in my life. 
And yeah, it's cool to share about all, but fun to do that deeper work with generators and manifesting generators. I love that because I think when I found out I was a generator, I don't know about you, Maureen, but I was like a little annoyed because the other types seemed cool cooler. Mm-hmm. I mean, a manifesting generator shouldn't say that because the manifesting generator, I was like, okay, you're two things. But as a generator, I was like, oh my God, why do I have to be the worker? Be I'm exhausted. Did you have that reaction, Maureen? Like when you found out you're an MG, what was your initial thing? I feel like I've always liked human design because when I heard like you're an MG and I looked into it more, I was like, oh, so when I just do things fast, naturally, like I'm not rushing, like I'm, it's fine. It's good. That's how it's supposed to be. I was like, finally, this is great. Like I've been finishing my test first in class for years. And like, I'm not trying to rush. Okay. This is just how I do it. So I thought it was like very validating. I like that piece of it. No, that maybe it's just me. How about you, Rachel? Like when you found out you were a generator, did it feel more um, like, yes, finally I feel seen or were you upset? Was I the only one upset? <laughs> no, it's a super common reaction. I hear that from everybody. And I think that's also maybe part of the reason I wanted to focus on sacral beings is because weirdly enough, at the time, there wasn't really anybody just talking about us as the 70% of the population. And yeah, I felt sad that people weren't excited about being that type because it is the most common. It's like everyone wants to be a reflector, or a projector, a manifester. Like they, yeah, I, it's it's a really common reaction, but- I think we have a really beautiful existence, even if it is the most common one. But that's the other thing is that even if we're all the same type, the way that we experience life is still really different. And there's still so many like nuances and intricacies to what it means to be a generator or MG. So I definitely like to go into that too. Yeah. Can you think of examples of things that you remember, like when you were first getting into it? that made you interested in human design? Like, oh yes, that is how I am as a generator. Yeah. I think just the understanding, what I was trying to figure out when I found human design was why was I just chugging along in this job and career for quite a while and being pretty satisfied by it. Like it was pretty sustainable for me. And in the last like six to nine months, it just became unbearable. And I was like, what exactly happened there? And what I realized was I had taken a promotion. I had actually changed what I was doing day to day. And so even though I was still in the same like company and industry, like how I was actually using my energy shifted completely. And so when I Mm. found that out about generators and MGs, like, oh, it's so important that we actually enjoy what we're like the specifics of what we're doing every day that answered a lot of questions. And then things about like, the generator plateau where generators tend to have little pause times where we feel like we can't move forward and we get really frustrated. That explained a lot for me and definitely does for a lot of people. For manifesting generators, I have a lot of them in my life too. And yeah, they go through something where it's like, you know, they're being told at school or at jobs to, well, you have to sit in your seat all day. And they're like, but I already finished that. Like, why can't I just go home? (laughs) And really they should be able to, but just the way that the world is constructed, it's kind of, it, 
I don't know. It generators are technically the most common type and a lot of it is built for generators, but also a lot of it is just built for nobody. So mm. it's almost like the world wants us to be like all the best parts of each type with none of the they're not even negatives, but just the more challenging parts or the parts that don't really fit into like capitalist society, I guess. Right. That's yeah. Cause I was going to say, is there a type that's well suited to sitting in a nine to five all day? I mean, it, it, if a generator is enjoying what they're doing, I think they probably have the most stamina for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people I think don't need to work that many hours a day <laughs> yeah. at one single thing. Well, it was kind of funny. The reason that Maureen and I even decided to start this podcast was over a conversation we had at dinner. So between the two of us, we have four children and they're all non-sacrals. So our oldest two are projectors. My middle son is a manifester and my daughter who's three is also a projector. So we were talking about laziness and like, are our kids lazy or are they just simply projectors? And they are going to need a lot of a lot more rest. I was like, Maureen, you cannot base like Maggie's productivity against your own. (laughs) It's not going to (laughs) match. It's so true. And what I always find is that there's always like with each type and their strengths and perceived weaknesses, there's always like a little mechanism in there that makes it so they're able to thrive, which is like projectors may not have as much like sustained energy, but they're just more efficient. Like they don't need it. So it's like, if you don't have it, basically you don't need it, (laughs) but it's hard just because sometimes the world does not tell us that. Yeah. She would argue that she did not need to have her room cleaned. So (laughs) what would the point of that be (laughs) yeah and probably over time she'll find some system that works for her where it's you know the rest of us we just kind of have the energy to okay it's best you clean it again you know every day but maybe a projector kid figures out like oh this is how it works best for me and figure out like sort of the most efficient use of their energy so it's Mm. so interesting to especially to see kids do that yeah. My son's, um, <laughs> the system my son has figured out is to just wash his clothes and just leave them in a pile. And then he never has to fold them or put them away. He just rewears them after they're clean and just puts them back in the laundry. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's making me crazy, but it's not my room. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. We're going to be fine. It's true. It's so and and technically there's nothing wrong with it. That's right. the thing. It's so, it's so interesting. I have a stepson who's 20 and we're about to turn 20. And I would say, I mean, they say that, you know, human design is made for the children really, but I, yeah, it's hard because sometimes you see them doing the things that actually you want them to do. Like you want them to break out of the box. You want them to not just do the thing, but there's part of you that's like, oh, but I had to do that. So you have to do that. And it's right. so hard to quiet that voice. <laughs> totally. You're so right. Yeah. It's so true. That's so funny. What is your stepson? What's his design? He is a two, four generator. Ooh emotional authority so similar to me but different enough and then my husband is a two four um emotional manifesting generator so oh so two emotionals yeah two emotionals two two fours yeah it's an interesting dynamic for sure 
Yeah. What's that experience like? My oldest son is an emotional projector. He's a one, he's a five, one emotional projector. And, um, it's kind of intense as he's gotten older, he's learning to manage his emotions better versus when he was younger. And he would just like, just a war path. Like he would just like start fights or like whatever. And now he's like learning that he has to like exercise or things like that to kind of process that. Um, but sometimes I find that I just kind of avoid him when he's, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know if this is really the thing to do, but I'm like, I know that I can't get wrapped up in this cause I will get wrapped up in it. Yeah. I don't think that's a bad like strategy. Honestly, like, my stepson has definitely learned that's been like the biggest thing that I think he and I have kind of worked on and learned together since mm -hmm. I came into his life like six years ago mm -hmm. is yeah just emotional regulation and like me learning to instead of try to fix it for him or yeah like you're saying get really caught up in his emotions kind of just name that for him and be like hey you seem really frustrated and angry and then he's like oh okay I guess I am and then <laughs> he has learned to go off and take just like, yeah, take his space and time. Yeah. Like he used to go out on the front porch and take a walk around the neighborhood. Now he'll just kind of lay low in his room during those times. And it's totally fine. And yeah, like even the other night he was talking to my husband and uh, he kind of likes to argue. It's just kind of part of who he is. I think it's just his way of connecting with people. Sometimes my husband was like, you just look like, it just seems like you want to argue. And he was like, Oh, yeah, I think you're right. And then he gave him a hug. <laughs> it's like that was, a few years ago, that would have been like a full blown. <laughs> right, right, right. Before they become like aware of it. So it's cool to see because my son is 14. So it's cool to see how he's kind of learning to see himself in that way. Um, <laughs> just like not being so reactive. Like he still is going to have his reactions and stuff. That's totally normal, but it's like, okay, well, could we maybe handle this better next time? Or like my husband and I've learned to like not give him that feedback when he's still in his wave and just like let him write it out and then like reflect back on it and be like, how do you think we could have done this differently so that <laughs> all the fallout didn't happen, you know? Totally. Have, have you noticed that having an emotional authority child has changed the way that you see your own emotions? Like, did it? Yeah. 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 And I've actually like, it's really interesting because I grew up in a household where we didn't look at our emotional emotions at all. Like my dad, I'm pretty sure we don't have an exact birth time for him, but I'm pretty sure he's an emotional projector as well, but he has suppressed his emotions so much. And now that we're older and I can kind of see it differently. I can see his wave, you know, I can see my mom reacting to that wave and like expanding and contracting. So I think something that I'm working on currently, like in therapy and stuff is like just being able to name my emotions because I've, I've only really suppressed them, you know, up until this point. And now like we were, I was just telling Maureen this a couple of weeks ago that like, I'm like, Oh, I didn't even realize that I have like a lot of suppressed rage. <laughs> You know, yeah. and it's like silly, like you wouldn't even think that, but it's been very interesting. So seeing like my son and his range of emotions is really op eye opening because it's like, oh yeah, you're absolutely supposed to feel that. And I always believe that like our kids are brought into our lives, you know, it's not nothing like that is an accident. So I'm like, okay, that is something that I'm here to learn from him is how to do that. You know, totally same. Really yeah. Cool. Cause I think when as non-emotional people, 
we, when we're left to our own devices, we can kind of avoid all of that. I mean, avoidance is like our number one thing, but it's like, (laughs) if I can just be like over here, (laughs) like just not thinking about all of that. And so it can be really confronting when someone who's just like, so in their emotions comes into your field. So yeah, I've also learned a lot through. Right. And even like my middle son, who's a manifester, like when he gets emotional, cause you know, he's with his brother all the time. So if Landon's feeling emotional, Dean will just like make it bigger and it's anger. And I'm like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going on? Okay. It's okay. Like, well, they're allowed to feel those things. Cause then it's like, you know, as a parent who was parented a certain way, right. My natural, like when they were younger, the natural thing that felt natural, I should say, was to be like suppress, right. Mm-hmm. Don't be mad. Don't be sad. Don't be whatever. So it's like kind of retraining ourselves to even allow them to feel those things because it brings up so much within us. It's like, it's so fascinating. That's what I love about these, the system is like being able to observe and just let it be an observation and then being able to learn from it. I think it's so cool. Totally. Um, Are there some things that people would be surprised to know about uh, generators and manifesting generators? Like some common myths about them? Yeah, I think one is that they don't experience maybe burnout the same way as other types. We talk a lot about like non-sacral burnout of projectors overworking themselves or manifestors trying to behave like generators. And actually what I've found and even a lot of my projector and manifestor friends who are in human design agree with this and obviously reflectors too, is that generators and MGs can burn out probably almost the quickest out of, Mm. or the, or the worst, the deepest out of all the types, because we can kind of keep persisting in a direction that doesn't feel good for us and by the time we've burnt out it's like we we've just gone so deep into it whereas a projector a manifestor reflector they just literally can't like they just don't have it in them to get to that place so they'll get sick or exhausted or you know they'll have things happen but generators and mgs it can just go so deep and that's Honestly, the problem that I see most generators and MDs who are coming to human design and trying to work all this out, that's typically the the problem that they're having in their life is that they're in some kind of job or work situation that is not satisfying. And then all of a sudden they wake up and they're like, wow, I can't even function <laughs> because it's been mm-hmm. like years of burnout. So that's definitely uh, one of the most common ones. And I would say kind of I guess related to that is that generators and MGs also need rest. Like all human beings need rest, particularly for me as a generator, I would say like, I'm kind of a a slow moving, cozy little creature. Like in the, in the grand scheme of things, I do accomplish a lot, but it doesn't look very fast or particularly energetic. Um, And that can be the same for manifesting generators. There's a few things in your chart, like a certain channel, the 3420, which is sacral to throat, which is, you know, the, it's the channel that technically makes people like a classic manifesting generator. That one tends to look quite fast, but unless you have that one, you probably don't look that way. So yeah, most people need a lot of rest. (laughs) That's interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Like if you're not on the right path, you can keep walking for a long time. Yeah. 
yeah we just we commit (laughs) yeah (laughs) like especially generators hard time really hard time stopping really hard time quitting changing course it doesn't feel good so we'll just kind of keep with it until I bet too like that undefined um solar plexus like the non-emotionals it's like that's it's hard to tell somebody because it's confronting right it's Mm -hmm. hard to be like I want to quit this because typically like you're good at whatever you're doing even though you're burnt out like I always tease that I Maureen and I know each other because we did hair and makeup together and I was a hairstylist for many years and I would always tease I'm like it's taking me five years to retire because no one's letting me quit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was very, that was very true. My job too. It wasn't like I was doing bad. Like if anything, right. I was like at the peak of my career or whatever. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just hard to, to confront that. Definitely. If you have that <laughs> undefined solar plexus. So now that you're working for yourself as an entrepreneur, how do you structure your time and how do you use your energy to be like the most efficient and not get burned out. Yeah, that has been like the number one question through the past, I guess it's been like four and a half years now. And that's where I think human design has been the most helpful. For me, it's been a big process of trial and error. I have gone through again, you know, minor burnouts in my business because just switching what you're doing doesn't fix all of that. You are still like pushing yourself in directions that maybe your energy doesn't want to go. And I think that's another misconception about generators and MGs is, you know, manifestors, reflectors, and projectors, they're thinking like, oh man, if I just had this energy consistently every day, I'd be unstoppable. But what they don't understand is that unlike for them, because that sacral center is undefined, there's like flexibility in that, how they use that energy. So it comes in and they can kind of just put it wherever it needs to go. They're not Mm going to have it all the time, but when they have it, they can sort of channel it. Whereas for us, that's not the case. It's much more fixed. It has its own place. It wants to go. And if we don't like surrender to that and just accept that for what it is, that's how we'll end up burning out. So I've definitely had experiences of being like, well, I want to finish this because I want to get it out there because I have this deadline because whatever. And then Mm -hmm. I would just like push it, push it, push it. And in the end, not only would it just not turn out well, usually something would happen and it would like some file would get corrupted or something wouldn't work out or it would, would just end in massive frustration. And not only that, but I'd be super drained at the end because I pushed that energy. It didn't want to go there. It wasn't ready yet. Like there was just other things that needed to happen. I needed to look over here. I needed to do this. Um. So yeah, just through those experiences, I've kind of found, I guess, not so much like decided on one structure because I feel like for me, things are very cyclical. That's also in my Mm. chart. Like it's always changing sort of like seasons and cycles, but I guess learning to feel into what feels right at that moment and go with that and try to sort of structure my life for that time period around that. I'm also a third line profile. So I'm like always changing And then when I start to feel like, ooh, that's not really working anymore, just being flexible enough to switch it up. And so, yeah, I've done like a lot of different things, like just a lot of different offerings and ways I've used my energy and like ways of working. Like before I used to work more in the morning, now I work more in the evening. It just like, it switches all the time. So I think, yeah, really just learning to detect those feelings of 
like, oh, that's becoming a little bit draining and switch it around has been the most helpful. Do you feel like it's more of a subtle feeling or something that's a little louder? Like how did you learn to kind of decipher that, that voice? I think it is, at least at first it was pretty subtle. I think now it's louder um, because before I would be able to push myself for like weeks before I would really notice. Now it's like as soon as it starts, because as generators and MGs, we have that thing in ourselves that says like mm, done with this and you can feel it. It's like, it's like, I just don't have that momentum that anything to put towards this. Like, I think everybody experiences a little bit differently. Sometimes I'll get a little bit of a headache. Like it's just something in my body's like mm, shut down about that. Uh, so now I can definitely feel that quite, quite easily each day. Like, okay, we're done for today. <laughs> and then, you know, even though my mind is like, well, but you have, you could be doing this. You could, you have a little bit more time. It's like, no, we're done with that. Like time to shift to some other activity that I do have energy for that day. And yeah, it's much easier to, to feel. I hate that feeling when the energy just goes away for something. You're like, yeah, shit, I didn't finish it. I just have no desire to do this anymore. I have that, such yeah. a hard time not finishing things. Like yeah. I make myself crazy sometimes. I'm like, oh, I have to tell myself like, this is not going to be something that I have to do right now because I will be like so frustrated and still doing it. <laughs> I'm like, but it's I'm true. almost done. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when out in the the corporate world or when there's like a lot more people involved, maybe in what you're doing, it's like, okay, everyone sits down and they make a schedule and they, you know, we hit these like milestones and whatever. And, you know, that's kind of necessary, I guess, when a lot of people are doing something together, but when you're kind of working for yourself and you're on your own, it's like, sometimes the thing you think is going to take a week actually takes a month and you end up doing all these other different things in between. And then at least for me, usually I look back and realize, okay, I can see why that took me that long. And in the end, it didn't really matter. Like my mind really wanted to finish that in a week, but it didn't really need to play out that way. So I would say that's probably been one of the most challenging things too, is just like getting my mind on board uh, so that it's not like taking over and trying to tell me like, you have to do this because now I'm just more trusting, like, okay, I know it's going to happen. If I push myself, it's not going to turn out well. <laughs> like I'm not going to achieve whatever it is that I ultimately want. So well, that's a helpful piece to think about. Like pushing is not going to make it be what you want it to be. So better. No, to take it's a not going <laughs> to. Yeah. It's not going to turn out well anyway, right. <laughs> pretty much ever. So it's not even like, well, I'll just deal with this and go with my body's pace because I should, cause it's better for me. It's like, no, it's just not even going to work. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like I've noticed that a lot too. You know, when people are talking a lot about manifesting and it's, I used to have this idea in my head, it's like, oh, I want to bring something to fruition. I want to manifest something. Okay, cool whatever idea pops in. And then I'm like, Oh, take action on this idea. But now I've kind of shifted that. And I'm like, I'm just going to chill. Like if it's showing up in my awareness and I had a sacral, yes, like now I'm just wait for it to show up. However, it's going to show up. Cause I know it's coming. Cause I've keep hearing it. You know what I mean? And I feel like just that alone has really helped me not stress over if things are coming to me. Cause I'm like, I know they're coming to me. And also like the timing to your point, it's like all these timelines are just like literally made up in our head. Yep. 
Well, they're often connected to bills that have timelines that you can't make up in your head. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is always that. And that's the, that I think is the challenge for, for generators and MGs. But at the same time, what I've found, like at, at least in the last year and for the first time this summer, I actually did like things with my audience, like had an offering about what I call mental deconditioning, which really could be like subconscious reprogramming, or there's a lot of different like ways you could look at that. But I do think that that is the number one thing for generators and MGs is that we have this built-in mechanism that's always telling us sort of what to do and when to do it. But the biggest challenge is just our minds. And the other thing that I started to realize was like you're saying, sometimes our minds get locked in on thinking like, oh, this is the only way I can make this money. But, and then when our energy doesn't want to go that way, it's like, well, how can I possibly live in alignment with this? Because there are these very real things like that is real. And I think that's another misconception maybe that people have as generators and MGs is like, oh, honoring the sacral is this thing that can only happen in this perfect vacuum. And Mm. I don't view it that way at all. I think there's like, we have to be very aware of like our material earthly needs. And sometimes you make a decision just to like, I I actually don't think we can really listen to our sacral if we're worried about those things. So I always feel like for generators and MGs, the first thing is to just get that foundation there. Even if you're not doing something that you absolutely love or is perfect for you, like just free yourself up to actually have your basic needs met and begin to be able to take those risks. Um, But then a lot of times like our minds just aren't open to all of these opportunities that are actually there. So that's kind of where the, I guess, subconscious reprogramming comes into play is like, oh, maybe there's actually all these things that I'm not seeing. And that's Mm -hmm. where like working with the mind is super helpful for us because if we can't even see it, we can't respond to it. So that was like definitely a big epiphany for me. I mean, yeah, that's a that great sounds point. good. <laughs> yeah. You're like valid. Yes. <laughs> I've heard you talk a little bit on um, your other podcast about the law of assumption. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Will you tell us a little bit about how you would work that into this dilemma of like, you know, harnessing your energy and still meeting your needs? Yeah. I mean, really, I kind of forgot even to mention that like, that is really what like the main work of this like subconscious reprogramming is. But the law of assumption is basically kind of what I was just describing, where if you are like thinking and that can be, I find that people with more like right facing variable arrows tend to really resonate with more of the visualizing and like feeling and something that you want in your body. Whereas people with more left facing arrows kind of resonate with like thinking in alignment with it. So, you know, there's kind of those two schools of thought with this that are always like fighting each other, but I think it's the exact same thing. It's just, some of us are like right facing. Some of us are left facing more focused versus more like peripheral and open. But like for me as a more left facing person, the law of assumption is basically if I'm face, if I'm coming into each day, like, okay, here's this thing I've figured out I desire as a sacral being. So it's whatever, whatever, like your inner, inner authority is guiding you toward then. So you're like, okay, well, I'd like to make this amount of money. It's like, like you were saying, then your mind starts to say, well, how do I do that? It's like, no, 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 calm down. And then you just start thinking like, 
it's easy for me to do that. It's easy for me to find these opportunities. I always make this kind of money. Like this is how it would feel to have that. And it's not that that's like this magical thing that just like materializes it all. But the way I see it is then your mind, which is what you use to conceive of the world, like our Ajna is how we are interpreting the world and seeing different things then we just start to like see more opportunities for that because your mind is looking for that. And I always talk about, it's like, you know, how you get a new car and then all of a sudden you see everyone with that car. Like I got a dog and then all of a sudden I started seeing all the dogs in the world where it's like, never, I never saw the dogs before. And so it's really just the exact same thing. If you're thinking like, oh, there's all these opportunities. There's all these things. I always do this. This is completely possible. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's that and that and that. And that's basically what the law of assumption is, which is like what you assume to be true is what you see out in the world. And yeah, for some people that might resonate more to like sit there, close your eyes and like, what would it feel like to have this? What would, um, what would it smell like? What, what am I seeing? Like, what am I tasting, touching? Um, so there's a few different ways to go about it, but it's really all just the, the law of assumption, basically like putting yourself in that reality as if it's already happened. One, I feel like it can work the opposite way for a lot of people, probably more easily too. Like, I never have enough money. And Mm -hmm. then you just are right. (laughs) Whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I've definitely created all those realities for myself and realizing that you actually have some power to change those things because I don't really think, you know, things just happen on earth. It's not like we're all these all powerful beings. But typically what I find is that if I'm seeing something consistently that I'm like not really liking, it's like, well, let's just see if we can kind of expand out of this or start to notice something different out there or see a different opportunity instead of feeling like bad, like, oh, I created this for myself. It's like, ah, well, that's there because it's kind of how earth is a lot of times, but how can I like maybe not experience so much of that? Yeah at least look for the positive reinforcement instead of looking for the negative. Exactly. Because yeah, both, both sides of the coin are there pretty much all the time. Yeah. My husband just sent me this really interesting video. I feel like on Instagram or something. And it was, it was this idea that like we are addicted for, to certain feelings, right? So because we have that addiction to that feeling, like sadness or loneliness or whatever, we then seek things out to kind of get that hit, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. you're addicted to not feeling good about yourself. So you go on Instagram and then you compare yourself to all of these people that look a certain way and you're, and now you're like back in that loop. And I was like mind blown because I'm like, oh my God, that is so like, I could just see it happening within myself. And it, it was such a, it was so helpful because it could literally take me out of whatever feeling I was feeling. I was like, oh, wow, am I feeling a certain type of way? And now I'm looking to just kind of like connect the dots in that negative way. And I love that what you're saying now is like, you can also do that in the positive way. It's like, look for the good things happening. Look for the positive reinforcements of how you want to feel in a good way. It's true. And I would say like most of social media and everything out there is looking to feed on that more negative stuff because it's just more prevalent. Like we just aren't Mm -hmm. really like a healed society at this point. So Mm -hmm. it's like what gets clicks and views and all that. So I think there is like more of that because- Whatever, well, that's you know. just like traditional marketing, it's, you know yeah, what I mean? It's exactly. Still exactly. so there, like the pain points, <laughs> like sell to the pain points. Like, okay, can we get over this already? <laughs> exactly. It's profitable, but it's so profitable. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. But there's, 
the other stuff is out there too. And then you're exactly right. It's like when you start to notice it, then you can be like, oh, I don't need to go there. And yeah, I also think that's a really good point too, is that healing work and yeah, like emotional healing and psychology and all these things have like such a place alongside human design because Mm -hmm. I definitely see people who know a lot about human design and have been experimenting with it in their lives for a long time. But if they haven't dealt with those things, they're just not making any progress really. So it's important to take care of that stuff too. And then you really see like your authority and your, yeah, like your, your alignment blossom. Yeah. Which I love. I find it so fascinating. Uh, My favorite thing to do is witness people who are like naturally in alignment, right? Who don't even know about human design, who don't Mm -hmm. know about astrology, who don't know about all these tools. And they're just like naturally. So I think, I feel like I've talked to um, about my sister-in-law a little bit because she is a projector. And I was like, I would have put money that she was a generator. Cause anytime I saw her, she always has the most energy in the room. She's so bubbly and bright and sparkly and all these fun things. And when, when you ever saw that she was a projector, I was like, get out of here. But she was so, she just was so and so funny when she's in corporate and when she talks about like her different career opportunities and how she's kind of climbed the ladder. Um, she's like, yeah, when I'm ready for something new, I just kind of like let people know I'm, I'm I'm ready for a different shift. And then these opportunities come to me and it's like, yeah, these are my four pillars that I, if they don't hit all these four pillars, it's a no. And then I wait for the next thing. And I'm like, oh my God, Carrie, you're (laughs) amazing. This is amazing. You know, and she's like, and when you see me, I have a lot of energy, but like I could sleep for days. Like when I was just me and my dog, just like chilling on the couch and we rest. And I'm like, oh my God, I love that. It was just so fascinating. So I love to see, um, people who are like really living in alignment with no clue of any of this. Cause I'm like, oh, it's, it's happening. It can be done. Totally. (laughs) Or they, and also they just don't care. I love that too. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, sure. I feel like my husband's kind of like that. He really just has pretty much lived in alignment with his design his whole life. And he doesn't really, it's not like he doesn't care about this. Obviously he listens to me talk about it, but it's not his interest. So he doesn't need it to continue to live in alignment. And I really, I love that because it kind of proves it right. And it's great. Yeah, (laughs) That's why it's so fun to look at kids because they don't know. They're just Mm -hmm. like living out how they feel. Like my projector daughter would, we'd have a big family party and she'd just go up to her room for a little bit and take a break. I'm like, yeah, exactly. You just yeah. you get away from all this for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Or she's like a triple split Maggie. So she just has like a, a bunch of different groups of friends. You know what I mean? Like, oh, these friends and these friends and these friends and these friends. And I'm like, I resonate that. That was me. I'm a triple split too. So I will always say like, I didn't have just one group of friends in high school. I was friends with anybody who would talk to me. Totally. So yeah. Fun. And thankfully your kids don't have you being like, come back down to the party. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Trying. <laughs> we still butt heads on the room cleaning a little bit, but we're trying. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm like, just let her have a messy room. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely how it is in our house. <laughs> so I know I've been hearing a lot about the age of Aquarius and this whole shift. And I know you had mentioned like people really don't need to work nine to five. Nobody really needs to work that much. How do you see you know, if people are getting more familiar with how their energy flows and how their human design works, how do you see that when we get into this new age where it's going to be 
I don't know, less structured and all that. Yeah. I think we're already seeing parts of it shine through just thinking. And I think like definitely over the next four or five years, it's going to intensify a lot. And it's basically people asking for like more rights as workers, like not really like the shift to everyone working from home in the pandemic has been a huge part. Like it's just really expresses that change that we're going through. And, you know, companies trying to get everybody back to the office, people fighting that and then them having to give up. It's not like, I mean, we'll always have people that need to fill jobs and roles and get things done. But I just think everybody will have a lot more uh, flexibility and will just be treated a lot more humanely. Um, That sounds good. And yeah, I think so. I mean, that's really, I guess, like the core tenets of, of the Aquarian age. I mean, in every age, there's it can go to a dark place and it can go to like a more positive place. I would say the positive parts of the Aquarian age are um, like viewing our earth as like sort of a global society. Like we're all one in a way, things going across borders. The internet really was the thing that caused that technology. Um, But then the dark side of that could be that I've like, I've read a study that in certain socialist countries where like socialism is very much an Aquarian thing of like, everyone's equal and like, we share Mm. everything. There were certain socialist countries where people got really depressed because there wasn't like a, a personal touch to the way Mm. that their governments interacted with them. And so there's like positives to that because it does allow things to be like, more uniform and more far reaching, but then with technology that can also become really isolating. And so I think we're seeing little bits of that as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting just how these things can be so positive and allow for so many more opportunities and flexibility for people. But um, I guess the dangers of the Aquarian age are that things become a bit more like cold and automated. So but interesting. I think sense. I think we're going in the in the positive direction. I'm definitely someone who's always <laughs> excited to point out all the uh, the Aquarian shifts we're seeing, and yeah, things like cryptocurrency, decentralization, um, just of everything, uh, not having to go through these entities like banks to be able to control your money to invest. Yeah. Just like embracing differences and having there be instead of like one centralized hierarchy of how things have to be, there can be like a hundred different ones going on at any given time, a hundred different groups of people doing all these different things. And really like that's why human design is such an Aquarian tool because it's basically saying like we're all different and there's not just one way to thrive in the world and it's okay to just accept your differences and other people's because you don't have to be one way to succeed, which was really how it was for so long, at least for like the past few thousand years. Yeah. yeah, That's what I like about human design a lot is just, yeah, you're supposed to be different. You actually do better if you're different than Mm -hmm. trying to do it the same. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book, because this is going to help to, you know, bring this information to so many people. I think what prompted you to 
get this all into a book? And what are you hoping people get from it when they finally get their hands on it? Yeah, in a very generator turn of events, like this all unfolded, I feel like very in alignment with my generator nature, which was that a few years ago, I was like my blog where I share information has always been kind of like the central part of my online presence and business, I guess. And a few years ago, I was like, you know, I would like to write a book, but so I felt that sacral desire in there, but I was like, I'm not going to go out and pursue that. I want, I don't want to do it by myself. Cause now there's, it's the Aquarian age. We can all like write a book and self-publish. There's a lot of opportunities to do things however you want. But even though I'm a pretty like independent worker with a lot of things, I was like, no, I want to do this with a publisher, with somebody else um, who has just like strengths where I don't. And yeah, I just didn't really think much more about it until all of a sudden one day, like a year and a half ago, I got an email in my inbox that was like, would you like to write a book? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about would. waiting to respond. That's so patient. <laughs> yeah. Cause I just, I just didn't have the energy for it in any other way. Like I wasn't going to go, I just didn't have the energy to go pursue it, to have an agent. I just didn't have energy. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust that. Um, yeah, it, it, it ended up being, and you know, I had to respond to like each piece of it. Is this the right person? Is this the right company or publisher? But it was in the end. And so, um, yeah, their concept was very in alignment with something I would want to do, which is sort of an updated look at human design. Um, there hadn't been any books coming out in quite a while now, just this year, there's, there's a few. So they're like, we're like the new wave. And I think that's great. Like, I don't really see it as competition. I'm always explaining this to my publisher <laughs> when new books appear. I'm like, there's no competition. This is fine. We're all very different and we're all going to have like a different audience that we find. Um, but I guess my goal was just to sort of continue what I do on my blog, which is make it all practical and um, something that you can apply to your life without just being too surface level. Um, I think with human design, a lot of the time we kind of hear the same phrases parroted over and over, but people do not know what they mean. So I wanted to just provide a resource where all of that is together. And honestly, I was really excited about it too, because when I would work with people, I would be like, where's all my notes? Like, I don't, you know, I'm opening all these different books. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have it all in one place. Like, yeah, I'm just really excited for people to be able to have that in their hands for such an accessible price point, which books are, and be able to come back to it over and over as they go through their journey. Cause it's not something where you just read the book once and then you figured it all out. It's like, you'll come back over and over to all these different parts of your design as you're um, experiencing life. And yeah, just basically like a reminder of who you are in a book. Excited for it. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, it's not like the market is oversaturated with human design books. So you should be good if there's a couple other ones out too. It yeah, just helps I'm people know what it is. <laughs> exactly. I'm excited. Like I think it's in the next decade, it's going to become so much more widespread. And yeah, I just want everybody to have this tool. So I'm really excited that it's becoming more popular. Yeah, me too. And it's very Aquarius age of you to just be like, no, there's no competition. We're all different. Like that's to your point. Like there, yeah, sure. There's a thousand, however many online content creators, but like nobody has that, the same voice. So it's kind yeah. of, fun. that's my favorite thing is to hear it translated by different people. Cause you take something different from everybody's, you know, experience, like everyone's lens. 
Exactly. We don't all have to tune in to like the same three channels on the TV right. like we did for so many decades. There's like literally millions of channels we can now tune right. into. <laughs> and there's enough out there for everyone to be supported because right. yeah, what one person needs to continue to share their life and their work or whatever is so much less than what like NBC needs. So right. it's it's just cool to have it all distributed. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's so exciting. Would you say it's more for beginners, more intermediate level? Would you gauge it like that? Yeah, it's definitely beginner friendly. Someone could open it and know nothing about human design and start from there. But I think that someone who already knows human design could still get a lot out of it too. Like I said, because you revisit these things over and over, you need reminders. Mm -hmm. So I've definitely found myself, even when I know things about my design, seeking out other people to just hear their take on it or just hear their voice to remind me of something about myself. So yeah, you can definitely start from zero with this book, but I think anybody Anywhere could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love that. I'm very excited. So it's for all the, just all the types, right? Not just yep. generators. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Covers everybody. How fun. So you got out of your nine to five. You made it to entrepreneurship. We have this book coming out. Where are you right now in terms of like your personal growth? Do you feel like what's the latest thing that you're trying to work through right now? Yeah. I mean, in classic generator fashion, I, even though I'm coming up on the five-year anniversary of my business, I feel like I'm just getting started, just figuring out a lot of things. <laughs> I I think if in 2019, someone had told me I actually would have this kind of like scary thought or nightmare in my head when I was really struggling at the beginning of like, oh my God, what if it takes me five years to hit that goal? Well, frankly, some of those, it has taken that long. Mm -hmm. And you know what? That's okay because yeah, it's just getting started. So I feel like what I'm kind of doing right now is closing, like, I don't know if you guys are into like nine year numerology cycles or anything like that, but I, this is like the last month, literally a month from now is my birthday. So this is the last month of my nine years. So I start a new cycle in a month. And so I think this year has just been about looking back on like, okay, I've created all this content. I've created all these resources, all these courses, all these everything. So now I'm working on just getting it into some different formats that are, that everyone can access. Like I recently put together a mobile app that will come out soon that'll just be like an easier way to access everything but that's still just like in the very beginning stages of getting all of that together so yeah I'm just kind of looking forward and thinking how do I take all of these lessons I've learned classic third line profile all the mistakes I've made all the stuff I've created and restructure it so that it's sustainable moving forward. And a lot of the like inner work I've done recently has just been around, yeah, like business, money, finances, believing that it can like flow in a certain way and that it can be like easy for me and feel like effortless and natural. So yeah, just got like a lot of a lot of things to put together now for the one year. <laughs> Fiona nodded when you said the nine year numerology, but I'm not familiar with that. So what does that mean that you're in almost done with your nine years? <laughs> uh, there's a few different schools of thought on this, but basically you add up 
the digits from your birthday and the current year. I personally think that the the new cycle starts on your birthday. Some people think it starts when the calendar year changes. It doesn't really matter. It's whatever resonates for you. But yeah, it like gives you a, a number so you can see sort of like what, what your themes are for that year. And then like the one through nine have all of these different themes kind of just like taking you through a cycle. So I found it really helpful in alignment with or like in conjunction with human design, um, just because it's kind of that, those sort of like deeper soul themes, you know, human yeah. design gets to like your physical body moving through earth, making decisions, but it's not so much the soul stuff mm -hmm. as deeply. So I really like using tools like that in conjunction yeah. with human design. And I yeah, tend to just... look like for the details for like that deep dive stuff. I tend to like look at the astrology because mm -hmm. I feel like looking at the houses and all that, like you can really kind of dig in there. I don't know if I just like the channels. There's so many, I can't remember them that I'm like, I don't know. Like I, I get the general gist of them, but I'm like, it's just too exhausting for me. When I want to know more details, I always go to astrology. It makes total sense. And honestly, like until I wrote this book, I feel like I didn't really do a deep dive into all the channels. Like there were channels that I just had never encountered with like people I'd worked with one-on-one. -on -one, so I didn't really know anything about that channel. And so it's definitely not necessary. It's like, uh, yeah, like you're saying, everyone yeah. has kind of different places where they look. Like maybe you go to the incarnation cross. That's mm -hmm. kind of a soul, a soul purposey thing. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, like the the astrology side of like right. what planet like you have in each gate. Yeah. yeah, Gene Keys Gene is much more like soul based, I would say, yeah. the deeper. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. Jinkies are fun too. Didn't you get, I feel like I heard on your podcast that you were going to learn about the Venus sequence. Did I make that up? Yeah. I had Elijah from the Jinkies organization. He teaches um, one of the, the Venus sequence courses. Um, so I did that last year and that was amazing. I yeah. love Jinkies. So that yeah. was really cool. I think I've done all of the Jinkies courses, all the, like the three tracks. Yeah. And they're great. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know if you guys feel this way about Gene Keys, but I feel like there's so it's so dense, like in those it's audios so dense. <laughs> that like I can only hear like one thing at a time and yes. I have to listen to them over and over. And each time I listen, I hear something different. Mm -hmm. And it's so fascinating. <laughs> it <laughs> like, is. And like my brain just doesn't take in information like that. Like I kind of have to see myself doing something in action and then have it pointed out to me. Whereas my husband like the way he takes it and it's so linear. He could just like read a book and he's like, he'll remember it forever, you know? And I'm just not like that. So it's pretty funny to see. We see a lot with each other, like our emotional reactions or, you know, the IQ and EQ stuff. And I'll just be like, I'm very serious right now. I feel like I'm a little out of whack. And then I go and like, listen and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have like my little like, clue words or clue feelings, I should say that kind of bring me back, but there's no way there. It's so, it's so dense to your point. I can't, I don't remember. I remember it, but not like what it means. No, you know? I have to like, <laughs> I remember listening to one while I was doing that Venus course. I don't remember which like aspect of my chart it was, yeah. but I was having a rough day and I was like, I got to listen to that or just a rough week. And I was like at the gym and I'm listening and I'm like, oh my God, like that just that, like that just, that's the problem. Like that is it. 
I was like, wow, that just read me so hard. And, but I always have to, then I'm like, I have to write it down in like capital letters in my journal. And I'm like, and then I need to remember to look at it again. Cause I, yeah, it's just hard. <laughs> it is, but it's fun. Like I love stuff like that, that just like lets you look at yourself and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, wound. Thanks. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Maureen, are you like, what are these crazy people talking about? I have heard of Gene Keys, but I have okay, not looked have. into it very much. So I'm still yeah. trying to figure out all the gates and everything and the I profiles well, and oh, everything. This is what I, I was actually going to say about the channels and the gates. I feel like when I first started digging into human design, I was looking more at my channels and my gates. And I feel like I got very distracted and I was like, oh, I got to do this because this channel, oh, I have to do that because this channel. And it took me so off track of like listening to my sacral and listening to my authority that like, I think probably about two years ago, I like scaled it all back and I was like, forget it. Like, I'm going to pretend like I don't even know what any of this other stuff is and just like listen to my sacral and start there. And once that feels natural, then I started to kind of like build on the other things because I did find it like almost like noisy. And then I would like yeah. talk myself out of my sacral responses. Yeah, I think that's really common. Can you guys explain what your sacral responses feel like for people that are new to human design? Yeah. So for me, it feels like kind of like an expansion of energy. Like it can also feel sort of like this like burning or like excitement or and not all sacral responses are like exciting things but it can just be this feeling of like oh I have energy for that like I want to get mm. up and do that like I am moved forward so I would be curious to hear about what you guys experience yeah I would say similar to that it's definitely like energy like almost like momentum like to your mm -hmm. point like you could like get up and go do it right this second and I tend to be kind of like a busier person where I'm like oh I'm gonna go here oh I'm gonna do that and for me it does come out like verbal like I do make sounds yeah like um, you're like yeah like yeah like some people like especially manifesting generators often will just say like yes like they just hear themselves say yes so right it can be really yeah right different. my husband's like that too like words just fly out of his mouth when he has like a sacred response but um one of my cousins is a manifesting generator and we always tease her because like she'll do like happy dances for food so you mm -hmm. always know when it's a sacral yes, because she does like a little yeah, wiggle. That's definitely common. <laughs> and that's, it's like become a thing. And now I notice when I do that, you know, it's so funny. How about you, Mo? Have you? I'm still trying to pay attention it? to them more, but I feel like sometimes if I want to do a project or I'm trying to kind of get into something, even if I just look through Pinterest or something, I can start to practice and see which pictures I'm like, Ooh, that looks fun. Like I want to do mm -hmm. that. So I think that maybe is a start to tuning in. I think so, yeah. because that's the thing. That's the other thing is I always say like generators and MGs do so well with like templates. Like you have to have something to start with. Like, doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you're going to do that thing. Sometimes it'll be like, well, that's a no, but just something to start those responses. Yeah. I'm also like a big Pinterest scroller. And it's like, <laughs> you just know when you see that mm -hmm. thing, like Pinterest is definitely like a, a sacral being thing. Okay. <laughs> for sure. On the right track. I love yeah, Pinterest. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Really, it's almost like the whole world is is Pinterest in a way. It's like right. you're always having these things at you all the time, but it's True. just it's not always easy to like see it Swipe. and parse it all out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> so true. fun. Well, 
thank you so much for coming on. Do you want to tell people when your book comes out, how they can find you and how we can, you know, keep track of all this goodness that you're generating? Yeah, you can find me at puregenerators.com. That's kind of the central place. I'm on Instagram at puregenerators. That's kind of my handle everywhere. Um, The book is called A Modern Guide to Human Design. It comes out October 3rd. Um, It's already available for pre-order and I'm opening up a discord group for everybody who pre-orders and sends their receipt. All the um, instructions for that are on my website, but yeah, we'll be doing some cool stuff in the lead up to the release in October and hopefully just, yeah, creating some fun and community around the whole thing. Love it. So exciting for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) I know it's been so, it's been really cool to see like, or to even hear about your, you know, journey the last few years and, you know, writing a book, like that's a huge accomplishment. Should be so proud. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks guys. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, so Rachel, that was like crazy that we got to talk to her. I know. And I just listened this morning before we got on again to remind myself. And I was like, wow, we like, that was pretty deep conversation. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And it was fun. Like, I think that was maybe one of our first people where we had already been a fan before even thought about doing this podcast so it was extra exciting for us it was I was definitely I texted you that day I was like I'm a little nervous (laughs) I know which is awesome so we talked about all kinds of fun things but I wanted to like circle back on a couple we need to check our 3420 gate to see if we're fast I think you are you're so fast or to see if human design agrees with why I'm so fast I definitely don't have it. I don't think I'm a super slow generator, but I'm definitely not as fast as you are. Like John, my husband, is a pretty (laughs) slow generator. (laughs) Well, for the listeners. (laughs) John who? Uh, Yeah, 3420 is solid. So that means that that's activated. Knew it. You love when it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, and then she also mentioned about the arrows. Mm. Like mm-hmm. if you How, let me see your chart, show it to the camera. Okay. So your top two are facing right and your top bo- or your bottom two are facing left. Yes. So she was talking about a left facing arrow is going to be um, more focused, right? You kind of like hone in on something and you're focused on that thing. And then if you're a right-facing arrow, you're kind of taking in, you're a little more receptive, a little more passive. You're just kind of taking things in all the time. And I think she was saying in terms of how you kind of envision what you want, if you feel into it more or if you like imagine it more. Mm-hmm. But exactly. if, you're a, if you're half and half, then you're a chameleon. <laughs> I think she's referring to the bottom right okay variable 
And it's kind of like our view, how we view things. So some people have been like, that's how you manifest. But it's more so how you kind of like view. Like for me, it's possibility. Mine faces left. So I just have to be like open to any possibility of like what could happen. Wait, and that's what mine is too, right? Okay. I don't know if yours is necessary possibility, but it is facing left. So you kind of like focus on what it is you want and then it happens okay. where John's is facing right. So he is a little more receptive there. That's his only right facing variable. Everything mm. else for him is left. So he's just like, I want to feel like this on my day to day. I Like that's how he manifests. He's like, I want this to kind of happen. Mm, I like that one better. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I don't well. think there's one that's like good or bad. Well, it's yeah. just different, you know, like for me, I'm like, oh, I would love to, let me see how this has worked out. Like, oh, I'd love to have a podcast with a, a partner, a co-anchor, co-host, whatever. <laughs> then there comes Mo. I'll start a podcast with you. Oh, great. Let's do it. Here we are. Okay. Like All two right. years later. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> All right, fine. We'll deal with the arrows that I have. You don't much have a choice, friend. I know. I just spilled um, tea everywhere. Oh, well. oh, oh great. Fiona <laughs> shorts chair. out. You know why. <laughs> it was just on my chair. I don't know. It like ran down the cup or something. Oh, well. No. Anyways. Okay. Moving on. Um, did you have any other thoughts or reflections? Um, I really liked when she was talking about the law of assumption. I thought that was really... Um, fun part of the conversation and just like a good awareness to have yeah of like how we're surrounding ourselves and what our thoughts are kind of leading us to I like that better than the law of attraction too like law of attraction mm. always just felt like fake I never mm. really liked that one yeah like just pretend like no that's not was like more of a lie I don't like that <laughs> But right, it feels like, a little gaslighting, like you're just kind of yeah. gaslighting yourself, like, no, I'm not having a bad time. <laughs> but law of assum assumption feels like more of just a reframe of where mm -hmm. your focus mm -hmm. is going. So that I liked. Me too. Um, okay. And then at the end, she threw in a little wild card with the numerology business. <gasps> oh, yeah. So how does that work? You add up your... Okay. Yeah, you want to do your Yeah, I think I did. I think I'm in a 3 year if I did it right, but check. Mm. Okay, so your birthday is 945. 95. What year? 1981. But you do it with the year you're born or the current year? I think Wouldn't it have to be the current year because otherwise you always have the same number. I always did it like your full birthday plus the current year. Oh, is that wrong? Wait, let me Google. Hang on. Okay. Well, there is like when you do just your full birthday, that's like your overall number. What number? Like that's I? your life path number. Okay. You get it? So if we are to do yours. Yeah, we looked this up one day. <laughs> Oh, we did. Waiting see? to do touch-ups. So you're six life path number. Let's see. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's what I got too. Yep. Okay, so you're right. 
birth date with the current calendar year. Okay. So I think I'm in a three year. You're in a three year. Let's see what I am. Okay. So you're in a four. So now what does that mean? Okay. A three year is a journey to personal happiness. Sweet. Yeah. The three, I, the way I remember them is kind of like this similar to when you learn about your Jupiter line and jinkies. I'm not familiar with that experience. Okay. Well, a three line is going to be all about having fun and creative expression and just like living your best life. Oh, you know? sweet. And what's know. a four line? Four line is a journey of breakthrough on a sea of obstacles. That sucks. <laughs> Sorry. It's almost over. It's almost my birthday. Oh, yeah. does it, doesn't it start when it's your birthday? Mm, everybody looks at it a little different because Rachel is saying she goes by her birth date, not January. Right. But so your, your four year would start on your birth date in your sea of obstacles. <laughs> Wouldn't it then go to the next year? Um, I don't know. I guess oh, we're going to need some we clarification. Need okay. So that's numerology. Um, <laughs> we're going to have to get a little more information on this. Um, but there are some numbers I feel like you could explain to us more, which oh boy. can you run through the profile numbers for everybody? We didn't cover that in our human design episode yet, but we mentioned it a lot in this one because Rachel is a one three and you are two six, six two. I'm a six two. Okay. You're I'm a two, two four. four. Yeah. There's like a quite a few. How about I go through just the individual numbers? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Together. Yeah. Okay. So the one line is going to be kind of like your investigator. A lot of times people with a one line seem like they need a, they need a little more safety. Like Landon and Dean both have a one line and they don't like surprises, hmm. not surprise adventures. Like they want to, they tend, my kids in general tend to be a little more like anxiety ridden. They want to know where they're going, like that kind of thing. And I always like kind of a, assume that was part of their one line of like that needing a little bit more safety and like needing mm -hmm. to investigate and know all the details and like why and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the two line is a hermit. Okay. So the hermit or the two line, they do tend to be pretty good at things like naturally, um, but they need a lot of alone time. That's kind of how they recharge. And depending on this, if this is like leads your profile. Like if you're a two five, like that becomes kind of your inner world. Like the, the first number is your inner world. The second number is the outer world and how people view you. Mm. Um, so if it's on your outside, like mine is on the outside, I'm a six two. So it could make me a little less approachable because people can kind of read that I'm a little like standoffish or a little hermity until they get to know me. And then they're mm. like, Oh, she's fine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> A three line is going to be like the experimenter. They just, if you know somebody with who has a three on the outside, they just look like they're just jumping off cliffs all the time. And you're like, oh my God, are they okay? Because they're just always <laughs> trying something new. And it's very experimental. It's very like, oh, we're going to try this. Oh, it didn't work. Whatever. We're going to try something else now. Like they just kind of trying a lot of things and experimenting a lot. So I think that's what Rachel said. She's a one three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you see in her business, she's like, tried this and tried that and tried this and tried that. And like, you know, 
keeps keep what works and move on from whatever doesn't work. Right. Four line is four line is all about community and family. These people tend to keep their family very close and they're almost a little like they grow and they expand through their network. So they don't necessarily, they're not going to be the one to go to a networking event by themselves and mingle with a room full of strangers. That's not going to feel very comfortable to them. They're the one who's going to be like, oh, my cousin knows this person who (laughs) knew this person. And that's how I found this thing. You know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of how they, they grow and expand and which is kind of fun. Devin is that you have a four line, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they tend to be pretty tribal, like their tribe is kind of what drives them and what brings them joy. Like Devin, since she could talk is all about like family and (laughs) it's really cute in the mornings. She like hugs me and we cuddle and she goes, mommy, you're my best sister ever. <laughs> like stranger, like if she meets someone and makes friends with them, she's like, "You're my best sister," and they're like, "What?" <laughs> but to her, that's like the highest praise, you know. That's very sweet. It's very sweet. Um, a five line. A lot of times, five lines are like healers of some sort. I I view it as a healer. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking of the people I know who have five lines, either they, (coughs) excuse me, either they directly work with others in like some type of healing capacity. Is your throat chakra getting a little bit clogged up? It seems that, huh? Or they tend to heal themselves and in turn, it like shows others that they can heal themselves too, if that makes Mm. sense you know, but they Mm -hmm. tend to be more approachable. And they also, I've heard like kind of are meant to impact in a big way and then kind of move on. They're not really meant like where the four line is very like tribal, like the five line may move around a lot or have a bunch of different groups that they interact Mm -hmm. with and they kind of like make their impact and then they're on to the next kind of thing. My sister's a five line. Mm. She's a two five. Give us a six. The six has three phases of their life. So phase one, they're a three. They're a three. So they're experimenting. They're trying a bunch of different things. They're seeing what works, see what doesn't. Mm -hmm. The second phase of their life happens around 30. So these people experience their um, Saturn return a little differently because it doesn't happen so much when Saturn moves to their time of birth. It happens more so when they go onto the roof, which is the second phase. And there, they're kind of more observant. They've learned all these lessons, seeing what's going on, learned from their past and like, oh, I'm not going to do this again. I didn't like it that last time I did it. Mm -hmm. Like they have a little more wisdom. And then their third um, part of life is like after 50. And that's when they really become and step into the role model. And that role model is achieved through just like purely doing life their own way. Like J-Lo is a six too. Hmm. So you can see as she's gotten older, she's become more of that role model of like, no, there is no limit. Like, this is just how I live my life. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And this is how it works. Mm -hmm. We just see that like from the outside looking in, it looks like she's just followed her path to her truest. Okay. All right. Thank you for those overviews. I feel like that helps to be reminded of when we refer to them a lot in the different mm-hmm. profiles. Yeah. Um, my mom was very upset that we didn't take her to the psychic fair. Oh, really? 
Yeah. So next time we go. Okay. And then Aziz wants to come. Awesome. Has she listened <laughs> to some episodes yet? I think so. My brother was in town and he set her up um, to listen. So she's like, I started listening on Spotify. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> but we haven't heard any feedback yet from Nenazi. No. Okay. So we'll see. I mean, <laughs> awesome. to be fair, I do very much love my mom. Like course, that's, a, the, that's a hard part about going to therapy. And I was talking to my cousin about this. It's like still being in relationship with these with people who you love and who love you, but realizing that like you had more needs than they could like fulfill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the hard part. Well, it's like you would want things to just be black and white. Mm. Like they did Mm -hmm. their job or they didn't and you love them or you don't. And it's like, it's all the things. It's so not like that. Yeah. 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 So, all right. That's all my follow-ups. Do you have anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Well, Rachel was so fun to talk to her. I'm definitely getting her book. Like I need to know. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, do I want to pre-order it and be join the discord? Yeah, I know. Right. We need to get on that. And if you're listening, that seems like fun. There's a lot of stuff happening around the pre-sale too. So yeah, we'll link it in our show notes. We sure will. And Thank you for listening. If you enjoy listening, do us a favor, leave a review and uh, share an episode with a friend. Get more people to listen. Especially if you're a four line, because we really got to pull the Mm. tribe together here. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm learning. I have like no tribal energy in my chart. (laughs) I don't have very many four lines. You don't need to bring the tribe in. I don't. But oh. sometimes I don't understand the energy is my point. It's like, oh, oh wait, what? <laughs> I know. I could be all alone. Like one of my cousins was like, I want to buy a bunch of land and like build a bunch of houses and like everybody live there and this and that. And I'm like, oh, I mean, that sounds lovely for you, but I would not like to come. Oh, and he was that. like, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, no, I like to be all alone. Thank you. I would like to come visit. I like to hang out with people. Yeah. Sure. But I'm a hermit through and through. Okay. Well, you know, how do you get attract your people then? You just want to listen to the podcast by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I don't well, know. my tribe okay. then. Come on over. <laughs> Yona's visiting. I like to visit. All I right. do like to host sometimes. I don't know. You guys will figure it out. It's fine. On okay. next time's episode. Sounds good. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.